Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's now time for not only a big AFLW Grand Final review, but a review of the whole season, I think, because it's been... A tumultuous season, I think, is a good way of describing it. Uh, but I'm very, I'm well, I'm Gemma Bassiani, but I'm very, very excited to be joined by, I'm going to call you AFLW expert, <laughs> Kirby Fenwick, who actually went to the grand final. <laughs> Massively overselling me, but thank you. <laughs> um, how are you? You've just come back. I'm I'm actually like emotionally and physically spent. Yeah. <laughs> I flew back into Melbourne at like uh, I think I got in just after eight this morning. Wow! And went straight to work. So um, yeah, I'm pretty wrecked. But uh, it was it was brilliant. I'm so glad I went. Yeah, incredible atmosphere. We have to touch on the crowd because it's a record for a standalone women's uh, sporting event in. Australia's history, which the previous record was spent, uh, was set. Set is the word I was looking for. Thank you. (laughs) Previous record was set last year at the Optus Stadium opening with Frio against Collingwood, which was a fantastic game for two teams that were dwelling at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. So for this to surpass it in a grand final at the beautiful Adelaide Oval, incredible. Got over 53,000 people there. 53,034. And I think it's really lovely that it happened in Adelaide because the previous record before that was actually set in Adelaide. Yep. So um, it's kind of nice for it to come back around to Adelaide again. Um, it was it was just incredible just sitting in there watching them open up the third levels and watching just people fill, fill the stands and yeah, I mean, getting travelling to the stadium, my friend and I were, were thinking, you know, like maybe 25,000 people, <laughs> like maybe 30, like that would be so cool. Like we would have been stoked with that. Yeah. And then we rock up and the crowd, like the line to get in was like ridiculous. <laughs> and um, they had sold out of records, like we just managed to get one. Um, and yeah, just getting in there and it was, it was so full, like probably 45 minutes before the game even started, Wow, it was so full already. And then it just kept filling up. (laughs) Yeah. And they had to keep opening different sections of the ground. Yep. And also just the fact that if you kind of give the AFLW competition a little bit of something, for example, Adelaide Oval. People will rock up. People will show their support, which is was a really exciting thing as well. Absolutely, I think it just demonstrates how um, how keen the fans of AFLW are. Yes, like give us a space and we'll fill it. You yeah, know, I think we demonstrated that with the first the the first game in the inaugural season. Like they had to move that, and we filled that stadium, and we probably could have filled more. Yeah, if we had the seats. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty special. I mean, it was. It was always going to be a special day because it's a grand final, but I think that that crowd just really, um, really pushed it up. And I, and you know, when the players were mentioning it after the game, 
how how they couldn't hear each other on the on the field, which is amazing. Yeah, I think the other thing is the South Australian sport media needs to be commended for actually putting it in the spotlight as they well. They did a really great job. They were putting them on, on front pages, on back pages. They were talking about it and focusing on it in the lead-up to a grand final as it should have been focused on. Absolutely. And this is why a state like South Australia, who are, have a rich football background that doesn't get as recognised by the AFL as the VFL does, this was their chance to really be like, no, we are a foot, football state and we're going to show it to you. And they showed it not only in, in the coverage – in the crowd, but also the way the girls played as well. Absolutely. And, I mean, South Australia is a rich football state for the history of women's footy as well. Yeah. Um, there's so many great stories out of out of South Australia, out of Adelaide, um, you know, games that were played. And so that's – I think it's wonderful. It's really great um, that it happened there and um, perhaps that now we'll have an opportunity to explore the sort of history of – women's footy in South Australia and tell some more of those stories and, and maybe this will sort of flow onto the state leagues yep. in South Australia as well, which will be really exciting. Very cool. And I the other thing that I like before we get into the match itself, Matthew Clark acknowledging the Northern Territory in his speech and how important the Northern Territory has been to the to the Adelaide team as much as South Australia has. And that's something I think gets forgotten a little bit. But we all love to talk about how great Danielle Ponter is. She's from the Northern Territory. Yeah, really, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought that was really cool too, um, but not um, super unexpected, I don't think. I think it would have been surprising if he hadn't acknowledged yeah. the Northern Territory um, and the role that um, that state has played in the success of that team. Yeah, Because they sure. absolutely have. Yeah, no, that was really cool by him. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the match itself. So yeah. obviously Adelaide got over the top by a significant margin, but... The first quarter was so tight, so tight, to the point where I thought Carlton were maybe taking it to them a little bit. I think they were in, in the first in the first quarter. It was is sort of seemed a lot more even. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, how do I you stop pretty, Adelaide? Pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, how do you stop Adelaide? You the know? the I mean, pressure in that first quarter showed what you could do, but that's such an exhausting game style to play. How do you maintain that? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Adelaide just demonstrated that they're they're a class above. They really are. And just we always talk about their oldest stars or the stars that we've known for three years now. Obviously, we talk about Aaron Phillips. Chelsea we talk Randall, about Chelsea Randall, Marinoff, all of those yep. players. But Anne Hatchard, obviously a big improver this season, and we'll we'll touch Massive on her a bit fan later. Of Anne Hatchard, yeah. But young players, obviously Danielle Ponta, Chloe Eloise Shear, Jones. Eloise Jones. I love Eloise Jones so mm. much, and her impact on this grand final when the game was there to be won, especially in that second quarter. She was so crucial to at least three or four of those goals, and then kicked her own. She stood up on the biggest of stages and really kind of got the job done. Yeah, but I'm not surprised because if you have been watching them all season, like that sort of Stevie Lee, Aloise Jones, Jenny Alponta sort of combo in the forward line yeah. has worked exceptionally well. I just think like, Jones – Yeah, I just think Jones is the one that gets forgotten when you talk about those three. Yeah, for sure because, you know, like Stevie obviously – Stevie Lee obviously kicked a bag of goals this year so she's going to get a lot of attention and Danielle Ponta comes from some pretty impressive football stock. Yeah. So, you know, she gets a lot of attention for that. Um, but she should get attention for her football smarts because she's yes. a very clever player. 
Um, but no, I agree. I think Eloise Jones deserves as much attention because um, I think she's had a really wonderful season and she's still so young. Yeah, it's so, so exciting. Upside. Yeah. And I think the other thing is Carlton in that first quarter, they looked really, really strong. They just couldn't make the most of their entries forward. And then in that third quarter, when they maybe still had a chance, they just couldn't convert in front of goal. And that was probably a little bit disappointing because of this stacked forward line that they have. But then you think about what Adelaide's defence is and what they've been doing all year. Look, and you're like, I mean, mm, okay. Chelsea Randall, Sarah Allen. Um, Even Dana Cox just, dropping back there. These are, all, these are all Australian selections. Yeah. You know, so if you're going up against them, I mean, Chelsea Randall was incredible. Like, she was just grabbing marks out of there all day yesterday. She's made, And they just set up so well behind the ball. So just not even when they had the ball, just their influence in terms of their positioning was so important because every time Carlton tried to go forward, they had to slow the play down. And then by doing that... Adelaide fills the gaps. Exactly. And you can't get through. And what I noticed as well was how much they ran for their teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all very well and good to get the possession, to get possession of the ball. That's great. But your teammates need to be providing options up the field for you or across the field or whatever. And you could see how much Adelaide were running for each other. Yeah. Um, That was really impressive. But I think that's been something they've been doing all year. And that's why they've now, you know, they won seven games straight to get themselves into a grand final. And only lost that first game on their accuracy, really, when you think about it. Absolutely. They kicked one goal 11. If it had been the other way around, they would have, like, absolutely smashed the Bulldogs. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it was a funny start to the season. But, um, yeah, they certainly picked themselves back up really quickly. And they absolutely deserve to win yesterday. And what they did even without Jess Allen, without Rhiannon Metcalf, who went down right before the season started, without Ruth Wallace, who was a really important player last year, their ability to cover those spots, and then without Courtney Cramey for a portion of the season, they they were without really key players too. And the fact that they had the ability to cover them is really commendable, not only to the versatility of the players, but to the coaching staff and their ability to adapt the game plan around what they had rather than what they thought they would have. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, look, Jess Foley in her debut season. Unbelievable. Like, I mean, come on. (laughs) She was unbelievable. Yeah, just how amazing of a season has she had. Like, fantastic. And now she's a a premiership player. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They – you probably would have thought at the start of the season, particularly with Rhiannon Metcalf. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, and, and Jess Allen, like there's some big, big shoes to fill. Like, what do you do? Mm. Um, and I'm sure we had this conversation at the start of the we season. We definitely did. I remember this, so, yeah. Um, but they made it work. And I think that kind of speaks to the depth of their list. But I also think it speaks to something else um, in that team in that people just play their role. It's yeah. not about I'm a defender, so this is what I do, or I'm a forward, so this is what I do. People played their role in that team. Like Stevie Lee moved into the forward line. Um, so I think that speaks to something really good culturally down there. Yeah. Um, I'd like to suggest that those um, the foundations of that were laid by Beck Goddard, who coached that team in the first two seasons. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think they've had a really, really successful season. They're obviously a really talented team, but I think it's more than talent. I think you, I think you need more than talent to win a grand final. 
Yeah. And, I, yeah, they've got it. And I guess we have to mention the fact that because they're in Adelaide and they're the only South Australian team and Port Adelaide have not yet applied for a licence, they're not as susceptible to the player movement that every other club has been and will be in this coming off season because obviously Fremantle have to succumb to West Coast, Brisbane have to make way for Gold Coast and then obviously the Victorian teams. Mm. So that, I think, strengthens them because... Absolutely, because I think they can still um, lose four players. Yeah. But who's who's going to leave? Yeah. Who's going to leave a premiership, you know, the reigning premiership team? Although Emma Carney did, but we won't discuss that. Um, <laughs> Jenna Bruton did too. Yes, it's fine. What else? Um, you know, I, I just can't see anyone walking away. Yeah. You know, and I think there was some discussion this year about Chelsea Randall going back to um, WA, WA, but then I seen that photo of Chelsea Randall and Erin Phillips today and I was just like, Chelsea's not going anywhere. There's no way she's going anywhere. She's not leaving that team. And I just can't imagine anyone else would either. And Unless it's a fringe player that's not getting a shot. Absolutely, but I'm not sure whether that would have a real impact on them. Oh, of course. I, I, I think the biggest question is where Sarah Perkins playing next year. I think that's the question because she obviously isn't getting her first spot in that team. Yeah. Do- I, I think the forward line just looks so different and there's just not space for her in there anymore. Exactly. She's still a very good player. It just doesn't fit their game plan. Mm. So does Hawthorne have a chance at snapping her up now because of that kind of change in Adelaide's game style? I wouldn't be surprised to see her go to go to um, Saints or Richmond Yeah. Um, next season. It, it wouldn't surprise me because you're right, she hasn't been getting any game time this year with Adelaide, so that wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there will be changes like that because mm. that's just the, Nature the of way football. the system – but that's just the way the AFLW system works as well. You can only re-sign like I think 22 players. So the reality is that a couple will drop off. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, I can't see too many of that sort of core group that got them to that flag leaving, uh, and I, I just think they're going to be able to sort of maintain their kind of dominance in the competition for at least another couple of years. And the positive is that you can sign players for two years now. Absolutely. Which is actually, uh, it sounds pretty insignificant when you think, oh, two years versus one, but it's actually huge. It's significant for the AFLW, for because sure. Because it allows teams to have a bit more consistency in their list. And I don't believe there's a cap on the number of players you can sign to a two-year, two-year deal as it's well. It's huge. So, I mean, you know, if I'm Adelaide, You're I'm signing up like two-thirds of my list yeah. to a two-year deal before um, just, to get, just to lock them in because why wouldn't you? Yeah. And while you're on the high of a premiership team, Absolutely. why wouldn't you want to lock them down for another two years while they really, really want to be there? Because yeah. you don't know what happens in the future. I'm not suggesting Adelaide are going to fall off a cliff or anything. But if you can capitalise on that now, on that emotion, then wanting to stay together as a group, you, you 100% do that. Yeah, absolutely. Carlton, on the other side, in this grand final, we'll go through every team and we've kind of gone through Adelaide a little bit, but Carlton on the other side, they did perform... Really well, probably for half of this game, and then they did just lose those legs. I think a little bit. They they lost a bit of that energy in the second half, but we did see a really good performance from Bree Davy. I mean, that doesn't. I mean, that's not surprising for yeah. anyone that like has watched any AFLW. Um, yeah, I, I just expected Bree to do what Bree does. She led from the front in this game, and she was a real captain out there in a team that was struggling that 
probably wasn't expected to win by many people. She still really led from the front. And then, as you said, that beautiful speech at the end was great. And I think that Daniel Harford has coached them really well through this season. And particularly in that prelim, to get into this grand final, coached them really well. So they've clearly galvanized as a group um, to make it into this grand final. And then, yeah, that that effort was there in that first quarter and a half and that pressure game was there, but that's such an exhausting game style to play. So they just couldn't hold on. Yeah, I kind of feel like they played their grand final the week before. Yeah. You know, and, the, and they were sensational against Fremantle. They yeah. just tore Fremantle apart. Which Which was see. like I did not see coming. The only team that had done that previous to that was Adelaide. Yeah, so I just I, I just feel like they played their grand final the week before and yeah. then they got to Adelaide Oval and um, I, I just don't think that um, Carlton quite had the class mm. and that's not to say they don't have a lot of talented players because they most definitely do, um, but I just don't think they could finish as well as Adelaide could. I think they succumb to the pressure a little bit more as well than sure. Adelaide do. Adelaide that crowd was, but that crowd was like 98% crows. Yeah. Like that would have been pretty intimidating, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that they sort of block it out and maybe it just becomes like noise. Um, but they would surely have been aware of the sort of imbalance in the crowd. The fact that in the final quarter when they're down by 50-something points, people are still booing them when they're having shots at goal. Like, oh, my God. a weird Adelaide thing. I I don't know what that's about. (laughs) Um, We do have to touch on the injuries that happened in this game as well. Obviously some really emotional ones. Uh, First, Chloe Shear. One moment she's taking the best mark of the season and having a goal assist to Danielle Ponta. And then the next moment she's potentially done her ACL devastating for a girl who's just come off an ACL and was finally able to play after a long rehab she's only what 19 yeah 19 I think I think 19 because she had the ACL so she didn't get drafted yeah 2017 Um, yeah so that's why she was picked up in 2018 yeah devastating absolutely devastating because she was so exciting to watch this year you could just and such a straight kick you could just see what she was going to be you know, she what she already was. Yeah. So that's really devastating. But she is only young. Yeah. And I really trust that, um, you know, the club will get behind her and support her and she'll get back. She'll come back from it for sure. It's just such a, an emotional day already and then just add that on top of it. Exhausting. She must just be emotionally exhausted. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. But she to that point, had been a really crucial part of this team as well. So it's not like she didn't play a part in a grand final. She was really, really great. Um, and I'm a massive fan of Chloe Shear. Me too. She kicked, <laughs> she kicked her only, game in, uh, only goal in that first game as well, wasn't didn't she, uh, against the Dogs? Was it? I think that was yeah. Chloe Shear, yeah. In her first game, kicked yeah. her first goal, yeah. First so kick, first goal, and a goal, on yeah. yeah. Massive fan of her. Um, and then, obviously, Erin Phillips. Uh, it was... A little bit strange. Obviously, I watched on TV. Um, the pain on her face, you realise now, is because she knew as soon as she did it what she'd done. Mm. But it looked like it was a more significant injury when she'd first done it purely because of the anguish. Yeah, and I we, we weren't sure um, 
like we were sort of thinking, has she like broken a leg? That's she what broken it an seemed ankle like, or something? Yeah. Like what's going on? She's like, ho- like she's holding onto her knee, but like, you know, she's getting the green whistle, the green whistle. And generally people don't get the green whistle when they have an ACL. So it was a little bit, you know, and obviously the, the sort of the mood in the stadium, I think just sort of like dropped. Yeah. It was like, no, not Aaron. No, not Aaron. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was It was quite distressing actually. Um, yeah, and then, you know, everything that happened afterwards and she actually sat up when um, she got on the little buggy the cart, type yeah. thing and I, I said to the, the friends that I was with, I almost expect her to like jump off and just be like, <laughs> I'm okay now, I'm fine. It's, it's fine, I'm right, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> of course she didn't. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm confident she's coming back. She seems pretty confident she's coming back. I have no doubt that she'll be back. She's only 33. Yeah. So you know, I think she can keep. She could keep playing for another three or four years. Like she's just has that. She just has it. And she's also another one who knows what it's re- like to rehab an ACL. She's lived that professional athlete life for yes. such a long time that that I don't think that will trouble her. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, we know I've never done one, but we know that it's a really, like, it's a really emotionally, physically draining thing. Like, it's stressful. It's it's hard. Yeah, can I just say it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my whole life is rehabbing an ACL. Yeah. Like, the most difficult thing. I've had many knee surgeries. I've had all... That is tough because it completely destroys your confidence in that leg. mm so as a professional athlete, you need to have confidence in your body to be able Absolutely. to go out there. So she's rehabbed an ACL before. She knows what it's like, but she's the ultimate professional. I think she's the most professional sports per uh, footy player, mm. male or female, that we've got in the country. Yeah. I know that's a really big call, but I really do no, think that. No, I would that. agree. Um, so we'll see her back. It was just such – like the whole game was just so – kind of on edge the whole time, whether it was the first quarter where it was really tight or whether it was those injuries happening, it was just exhausting emotionally. But It really was, yeah. The fact that all the players, not only when Chloe Shear went off, a few of the Adelaide players went over to her, Aaron Phillips and Chelsea Randall being the obvious ones. And I think I said at the time that was real leadership by them to go over to that young player as she was going off. The fact that both Adelaide and Carlton players went to Aaron Phillips as she was being stretched off. That was incredible. It was just incredible scenes as well. Um, the fact that Carlton players took that upon themselves. And I, that shows a real divide maybe between the men's game and the women's game too. I think she's held in such high regard. She really is. I mean, not only is she an exceptional player, which, I mean... She's a freak. She, she's just... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, sometimes I like to imagine what it would have been like if Erin Phillips hadn't had to give up footy when she was 13. Yeah. But anyway. Um, and she also just seems like a genuinely good person. She wants what's best for the game as well, which only th- helps all of us. Yeah. So I think people respect her a lot. Yeah. Not only for her playing ability, but just for like her human ability mm. and just who she is as a person. So... Yeah, that was not surprising to me, but it was still a beautiful thing to see. Yeah. And I think there is that real kind of um, camaraderie in the AFLW. I think so yeah. many of these women have come from the same place and have had to push through the same obstacles and they kind of 
I don't know, I just feel like there's there's a deeper connection there and there's a deeper level of respect because they're also aware of how much they've had to fight to get where they are and how much they have to fight for respect. It's evident in little things like Kiara Bowles lifting her opposition up after she's tackled them and little kind of sports person things like that that you see a lot more in the women's game. And that's not to say anything negative about the men's game. It's just this really nice community thing we've got. Even Brooke Lachlan really today on, on Instagram sending shout-outs to Aaron Phillips and Chloe Shear. Yep. And, you know, that kind of just care. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Just, it's a really nice thing to see. And this is why it's so great that 53,000 people got out there to say, we love what you're doing. Please continue to do it. Absolutely. Please, AFL, allow them to continue to do it. <laughs> ah. Anyway, should we get off the emotion of this and into the season review yeah, that we've got going. Let's do it. Because uh, I don't want to keep you too long because you need sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say I also need sleep. Um, so we've gone over a lot of Adelaide stuff, but we'll kick it off with Adelaide. Was the premiership their best moment of the season for you? Because it is Surely. for me. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how you pick another <laughs> thing. So we've just gone through all that. We won't touch on it anymore, but... Um, my most improved player for Adelaide is Anne Hatchard, and I'm sure it's the same for you. Yeah, I had Stevie and Aloise down as well, as well but I think Anne Hatchard has um, had a sensational season. Yep. Um, moved into the midfield and just really really embraced that role. And, um, I mean, she said herself, I read, I read somewhere that she said herself, you know, that she's felt like she's really um, developed her game this year and I think she absolutely has and she's still so young so it's going to be really exciting to see you know what she does next year or the year after that or the year after that so yeah for mine definitely definitely most improved for Adelaide. So I've got a couple of stats on her I've got this for most of my players just for statistical reference Um, she played double the games this year than she did last year her average disposals went up to 18 from 8 last year. Mm. Her average inside 50s were up by more than 1, which in um, AFLW is actually pretty big. Um, her average tackles improved as well. And she also, I think her improved game allowed other players to do more. And similar to what, and uh, weird reference, but similar to what, Tim Kelly allows Patrick Dangerfield to do. Tim Kelly does the job in the middle so that Dangerfield can get off the hook. That's exactly what Anne Hatchard did for this Adelaide midfield this year. And it it was a number of players that she let loose because she was doing that. She was doing the work. Inside work. And the fact that she's so young scares the shit out of me. Can I just say? (laughs) The the fact that most of these players are so young scares me. No, it's exciting. It's not scary. It's exciting. It's scary when your team is always the team missing out on percentage. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, general review, I think the the only blight on their season other than injury was that first game and the inaccuracy in that first game. And Um, then, I mean, you know, the the first half of the second game against Carlton – it wasn't until sort of like the third quarter Adelaide kind of like switched on. Yep. And then I feel like from that game they were on yeah. and they didn't drop a game. No, and they destroyed the teams. Yeah, they really, really did. So um, That Carlton game was the closest oof. anyone got to them mm. other than uh, your girls winning. Um, but I also just once more I want to shout out like young players like Shear, Jones, Ponta, just as a couple, they're going to form such a formidable group for a really you long watch, time. You watch Danielle Ponta play, she's smart. Yep. She's just a smart forward. 
And she's like, what, 19 years old? Yeah. Someone I heard, um, I can't remember who it was, someone was suggesting that she tried to get the easy goals. And I don't think that's the case with her. I think she's just gets into the right position. She puts herself in the right spot to help her team out. Because you find her in the goal square because she knows that they're going to need her there. It's yeah, not her knows, trying to get an easy goal. She knows the ball's going to drop. So she puts herself there. And she takes so the she, marks. She takes the marks. She kicks the goals. Like yeah. what else do you want a forward to do? She's obviously being told to play deep. Yeah. That's what she does. And she does it well. Um, and she does it really well. And she just, yeah, I think she's a really smart player. And, um, yeah, she's been playing since she was uh, 11 yeah. up at St Mary's. I think she played for St Hasn't Mary's. Hasn't she won MT? like a whole bunch of best and fairest? Yeah, and all one, of, one of the leading players up there. So, um, yeah, really exciting to see her playing footy and just, yeah, can't wait to see what she's going to grow into. You Amazing. know, when she grows in confidence in her own ability. and She looked so yeah. timid in that first game as well, didn't she? But then that grand final. Yeah. Just, oh, yeah, like taking the mark and just like sauntering back and, you know, just <laughs> kicking goals. Like it was just a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just beautiful. That Chloe Shear mark was amazing i've watched that many many times (laughs) and just the awareness to swing around quickly and get the ball in there it wasn't just the mark it was what came after it the perfect kick and then one other that eloise jones kick into 50 that kind of curled around it was the most perfectly weighted kick to land on i think it was ponta's chest um that was such a beautiful kick after a long run down the field too so they've got these beautiful skills that they're they know how to use them. Well, that's what happens when you start playing footy when you're nine or ten and you get to play right through. Exactly. It's exactly what happens. Exactly. That's why I'm still a terrible kid. <laughs> I'm sure you're not that bad. <laughs> uh, shall we move on to the Brisbane Lions? Let's do it. Uh for the, I'm sorry about this in advance. Uh, for their best moment of the season, I've chosen their round four game against your girls, the no, Dogs. No, look, I had that written down. Too. Okay. Um, they were the Lions of old. They put in a really complete four quarter performance. Things that we were used to them doing the past two years. They used the ball really well. They were hitting their targets. They pressured their opponents, especially inside fifty. And then Jackie Yorston debuted in this game as well. She laid nine tackles and she really influenced the game. So I think this was definitely the highlight of the Brisbane season that was probably a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. I think it probably was a disappointment for them. I thought Sam Virgo's return was a really nice story as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, they obviously didn't have the season they would have wanted. But I think what gets forgotten so much about Brisbane is everyone talks about, you know, the loss of King and Duffin and Hope at Collingwood. And What about, like, Stanton, Ashmore, Randall, Gibson and Hildebrand from Brisbane? Huge. I mean, come on. Gibson, mash, massive. She had a great season with North. And Ashmore as well was a sensational play for Brisbane, hugely important. So yeah. was Stanton in the midfield. So, um, you know, I thought – I think they were really decimated by by North and um, – other teams pinching all their players. The fact that they can now lose up to eight players as well in this offseason is uh, absurd. The fact that that's the way... That is way too high. They've set it up. It should they've not be eight players. They've already been destroyed. It and should not be eight players. Now Sabrina Frederick-Traub. She's gone to Richmond. That's my tip. That's my top trade tip. Well, that's tip. what it feels like, it's isn't it? It's my only trade tip, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, yeah, I think everyone has that feeling about it. It's just she didn't have the best season, but she showed in a couple of games, especially that GWS game in round one, she can turn this team around from a losing to a winning position. Yeah, but a good forward like that needs good delivery. Yeah. 
you can be the best forward going around, but if you're getting shocking delivery out of the midfield. Which is what was what happening. Can, what can you do? But her ability to get up the ground, yeah, that GWS game, that third quarter in that GWS game really comes to the front of my mind. She was getting up the ground, she was influencing it, and then she was the one delivering it to Wushna, to the small forwards. And her ability to do that, um, to turn the game around and effectively win the game for them, they won by one point with that Shannon Campbell mark in the final moments. They're going to really miss that because she's been such a core part of their team since the beginning, a marquee player, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And we know that the young talent coming through is amazing. And I've had a big conversation with people about how our expectations of marquee players are really warped in this game because they haven't had what these young players have had. Yeah, absolutely. But her emotional influence and spiritual kind of influence on this team can't be discounted and losing her on top of what they already lost. It's going to be really hurts. significant for Brisbane. So I, I think the eight player thing is ridiculous. Yep. Um, absolutely. Just, I can't even fathom how you would come to that conclusion. I think those expansion teams, like they've known they've been coming in for a while, so they should have been building lists over the last 18 months. And we've and there seen should the be, growth. They should, they should be, they should have to build their list, you know, a certain percentage of non-AFLW listed players. Yeah. Um, you know, we've seen what happens when you just stack a team full of AFLW players, but it doesn't guarantee you a final spot. Oh, I have so many feelings um, about that team. But yeah, it's it's disappointing for Brisbane, but it's not. It's really not surprising when you look at what they lost. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately. You know, if they do lose eight players again, it's who knows what they're going to look like next year. It's just going to destroy them. But Queensland, we know, has had such a huge growth. I think it's been more than any other state. It's a really strong footy state for for women's footy. Yeah. So the AFL and whoever's in charge of all this should be forcing Gold Coast to go to that pool because for the long term of the game, that's much better. So it just seems like a really strange decision to set it up this way. If you're going to do that, don't let them lose players to Victorian sides. Yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. work it out some but, way. I mean, I think what you're asking for is some kind of like forward thinking and planning <laughs> and unfortunately I don't think don't you're going that. to get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, who was your most improved player at Brisbane this year? Uh, Got to be Ali Anderson. Mm. Cool. Yeah, I thought she did um, really, really well. She was she led the lines, um, contested possessions, clearances, marks. Um, you know, she was averaging twenty one disposals, four marks, and five tackles a game. So, um, I think she had a really, really fantastic year. And I'd be surprised if she doesn't win their best and fairest. Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually had Nat Exxon. Um, she was consistently a high performer in a team that didn't put out a lot of great performances. Even in those games where they just Brisbane were just a mess, she was still consistently doing great things. Um, she increased her impact in terms of their ball movement as well, but she also just got her hands on the ball a lot more than she has in previous seasons. So she was up to 15.4 disposals a game this season compared to 9.3 last year. Her rebound 50s were really important as well. And then her inside 50s, she had over three inside 50s a game, which um, for Brisbane was really important. Her kicking is probably on the higher end of the Brisbane team. So they needed her delivering that ball in. So I think her season uh, has been really, really fantastic in a team that probably wants to forget the year that they've had. Mm. Yeah. Uh, general review, we kind of did that, but they probably went as well uh, as we probably expected of a team that got killed by expansion, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah. So shall we move on? Let's to some less depressing things. <laughs> I'm just sad that Sabrina's leaving, but we understand. <laughs> Carlton. Yeah. Um, my best moment is the one you touched on before the prelim against Frio. They had no right to win this game. Frio, it's the best game of the season. It was unbelievable, but they played them so well, sending Jess Edwards to hooker. Like, bringing her in specifically for that role was fantastic. The fact that Danellen was out helped them a lot, mm-hmm. but she hadn't been playing at a particularly high standard the weeks before. She'd obviously been injured, but just the way they structured their game and then the confidence they got out of it and then the Chloe Dal- Dalton goal out of the centre square, like... It was just wonderful. I thought she kicked that from the back line. (laughs) I was sure that was kicked from the back line. Was it it not? Okay. It just seemed to go so long. It was was so long. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And it obviously got them into their first ever grand final. So, yeah. Yeah. Incredible game. I I feel like obviously that's a massive highlight highlight for Carlton for sure and they should be really proud of the way they they played in that game I think they were probably galvanized by what had happened with Taylor Harris during the week yep she had a great game she absolutely did I think she had something to prove and um I think that probably had a really big impact on their performance but I also think a real highlight for Carlton has was Manny Prasparkas yep like what a season how does somebody come out in their first year of AFLW and have that much of an impact we thought we'd seen it all with Chloe Malloy the year before, but Press Park has just upped it. Just incredible. I mean, she didn't have a fantastic game yesterday, but um, she had such a great season. She was such a joy to watch. She's going to be just really, really exciting player. Another one of those ones where you're just so pumped to see her, what she's going to be like in, you know, two or three years' time. And her sister. She, it is her sister. Yeah. I did see this name floating around playing yep. the TAC Cup and I'm like, is that her sister? She's only 16, kicked seven goals In or a game, yeah. Broke the record. That family, oh. There is too much talent, it's not fair. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but again, pathways, look what pathways get you. Well, that's exactly right. Absolutely. It's it's like anything. The, the more you practice at something, the better that you get. And so if you have the opportunity to do it, yeah. then you will improve. And we're seeing that now coming through with the young players and that's just going to happen again and again. Next year we're going to have a whole new bunch that we're going to be like obsessed with and mm-hmm. it's going to keep happening and it's – I can't wait. It's so exciting. Uh, who's your most improved player? It's a bit of a tough one, to be honest. I've probably got a couple. Um, Alison Downey, I think, had a really, really fantastic year. She yep. actually broke the Emma Kinn's record for hitouts to advantage. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so um, I think she had a had a great year. Um, I guess Lauren Brazel, I think, had a had a pretty good year. And Gab Pound, I think they had, um, you know, they definitely improved this year. Yeah. Um, but, I mean... It was kind of hard to, to sort of pick one out. They lifted across honest. the board, yeah, yeah. I think there was kind of a general kind of rise and then, you know, your old faithfuls like Brie Davey just, you know, did what Brie Davey does. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I had Gab Pound. I, she was a real rock for them. She got her hands on the ball quite a bit more, average five possessions more a game, which is pretty awesome. And then the fact that she was marking the ball more, which meant – the control of the game was there a bit more and she kind of was on that wing half back kind of line, but then pushed up the ground. Um, She, she's an example of a player that has improved drastically just by being in the system. 
mm. and getting to play at a high level, getting to train at a high level and doing all those things. Yeah. I think she's a really good representation of what can happen over three years of playing footy when you have coaching structures like that and you have facilities to go to and expectation on you and things like that. And But you have that one-on-one kind of advice too, exactly. you know, like people saying to you, like giving you tips about like where to position and like what to do. Like I played a practice match on, this is like such a tangent, but I played a <laughs> practice match on Saturday, we our yep. first practice match for the season. And my coach just randomly put me in the, on the half forward line. Like I've been, I've been a defender, like <laughs> my entire uh, footy career, all of one season. And I was, you know, I was like, hmm, okay, cool. But, like, my my dad and my brother gave me some, like, really specific advice, yep. which I tried to follow, and I obviously did because I got some really great feedback. So, like, I am going to link this to Gab Pound. Like, <laughs> you know, if you're getting, like, really specific advice, yep. you know, from whatever kind of role you need to play in the team and someone's giving you really specific advice about what you need to do, where you need to position yourself, and you go out and do that and it works, that gives you confidence, you do it again, it works. Like you just improve as a player and you gain that kind of knowledge and understanding of where you need to be. And you're right, like people like Gab Pound but so many other players as well, like having that time in the system, getting that like really specific coaching advice and um, just tips on like what to do and where to be on the ground, mm. you can see it paying off. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think the other thing Carlton did really well this season was just unearth some players that weren't, maybe weren't stars but kind of slid them in there and developed them into Brooke this Walker side. and Chloe Dalton. They're two, but also <laughs> Charlotte Wilson I think is another one that went really underrated. She's the I think the youngest player in the comp this year. We saw that rundown tackle she made in the grand final. She just did a few little things that you're like, that's that's what the she's going to be doing consistently. Yeah, just saw these little things. So Prosparkus is the one that we all talked about, but then there are these other players that really stepped up and did these things that are going to be really nice for their future. Hopefully they can keep them all. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was quite impressed with Walker and Dalton. I think, you know, they come from like a rugby background, which I guess gives them some kind of grounding, but obviously yeah. um, Aussie rules is a very different different game to basically anything. Um, yep. But no, I, I thought they... Um, I thought they impressed. I Their ability they were... to kick goals is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so it's going to be good to see them develop, mm. see what sort of um, footy plays they turn into. Yeah. I Yeah, that I think is one of the biggest things for Carlton is that group that uh, maybe went a little bit more unheralded are going to form a really strong core in this side. Yeah. Um, okay, should we move on to Collingwood? Let's do it. Best moment of the season, oh, I've I, <laughs> I've chosen the round seven win against Brisbane, but I also kind of chose um, Darcy Guthridge's debut in round five against Carlton. Obviously, the win is important because I think they were a better side than a no-win season would have suggested. So I'm glad they were able to get the win. It also let them finish on a high, let mm. them do what they did the season before, which was... Upset the finals. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, just break hearts. That's what they do. But Darcy Guttridge finally debuting. She was taken in that first draft, I believe, at number nine, something quite high. She has all the skill. She's talented, all of that, but just couldn't get on the park because of injury. We've all heard Pepper Randall's story. Darcy Guttridge... People just kind of forgot about her. 
But then she was able to come out and have a really significant impact in terms of scoring. She got a couple of score assists, but also kicked her own goal and then got better over the next two games. And it just kind of sucked that the season ended there because she was just starting to get a chance and then we now have to wait until next season. Mm. Um, But I'm really excited about what she can do and I just hope that her body keeps her right over the VFLW season so that we see her come out and have a full season next year because I just can't wait to watch her play. Yeah, absolutely. One of my highlights was actually um, Collingwood returning to Vic Park. Yes. Which I'm, I'm just obviously betraying how much I care about the stories off, off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the footy's great, but... <laughs> well, can I just very quickly get in with a little Melbourne thing there? The fact that Harriet Cordner in that game, obviously I'm a Melbourne spot, Harriet Cordner in that game became the seventh member of her family... To play on that ground. ...in the Melbourne jersey. How cool is that? Yeah. Amazing. Oh, I love stories like that. It's so awesome. I had goosebumps at the game. It's yeah. so cool. But yeah, I think that sort of stuff is really beautiful. Yeah. And um, so many fans have such a sort of nostalgic connection to those grounds. I, I feel the same way about Winnoble. You know, you go back to this place that ha- that holds so many memories and, yeah. you know, you just have such a strong attachment to that ground. And I'm sure so many Collingwood supporters feel the same way. So, um, you know, and also the Holden Centre is a terrible venue. So, um, and no, no professional sport should be played there at all. So I was really stoked that they actually got to play at Vic Park and, and, um, yeah, I thought that was really, really special for them. Yeah. Well, that win was at Vic Park. Yeah. Yeah. So really, that, really that cool. links in nicely. Yeah. Um, my most improved player is a bit of an obvious one, but I've chosen Ash Brazel. So have I. Um, <laughs> it, it was kind of like last year we knew she was an athlete, but we didn't know if she was a footballer. And, and she's I think, proven herself this year, I think. Exactly. And I think those were the questions about Shani Layton early in the season this year. And she kind of moved into it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Shani Layton. But Ash Brazel, she didn't just become a footballer. She became one of the best footballers we've got. Her Watching her play is an absolute delight. She sometimes takes the game on a bit too much because she's trying to make something happen because they need some sort of spark mm. and gets caught out. But yeah. maybe that happens once in 20 times. Yeah, She gets the ball so much. She not only rebounds it out of their defensive 50, but she's she runs really well. She gets the ball into an attacking zone for them. She doesn't just get it out of danger. She puts it into an attacking position for them. And I love watching her play so much. Just watching her run. She's got this efficient running style. It's a very weird <laughs> thing to say. But I love that she wears the red boots because you can always tell from afar. I've bad who it is. Yep. Who it is. And you know the way she runs. And it's just beautiful to watch. I remember... Um, at the Vic Park game where Melbourne played, I was sitting on that wing where in that last quarter she had that massive run down the wing where she handed it off, got it back and continued to run. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. She's amazing. <laughs> she's yeah. Very, very impressive. Yeah, I think she's had a really, really wonderful season and one of their shining lights really, I think. Yeah. Um, they had a few of their sort of, um, you know, core players that maybe didn't have – Super great seasons, but you can't really hold that against them. I think, you know, when you get to the middle of the season and you haven't had a win and, you know, things sort of get a bit, gets a little bit hard, I think, um, from a team point of view. Uh, But, yeah, she was, I thought she was great. I think she had a really great season, so. Yeah. And Collingwood as a whole, obviously decimated by expansion and injury. Losing, I think, the four players that, or the five players that they lost, including Bernardi, 
outscored Collingwood across the first four rounds of the season or something. Yeah. That's just demoralizing. But then to have lost Chloe Malloy on top of that. Absolutely. Who became such an important player. The way they went about their football forced them to unearth other players. And we know Jamie Lambert's good, but she went to a new level this year. I think she stepped year. up this year. Absolutely. She was so important in that midfield. Um, I, for a really long time, didn't quite understand the Kiochi captaincy. Watching her play this year, she is one of the best players in the comp. And I think she really got overshadowed by all the talk about Mo Hope, all the talk about Jazz Garner, all those players. I think she just generally gets overshadowed anyway. I think she's just one of those players that just kind of like goes out and gets stuff done. Yeah. You know, she's not like flashy. She's not, um, you know, there's nothing of her. And if you watch it on the TV, you barely notice her. Yeah, but she's just, she's there. Yeah. And, and she's she uses always the ball so she well. uses the ball well, and she's like influential, and I think her leadership is really great. Um, yeah, no, I mean you can't fault you can't fault Steph. I don't think. Yeah, I've I, I didn't dislike her previous to this, but I she just didn't stand out as much to me as a lot of other players did. And this season, seeing Collingwood play live a couple of times as well helped. She's she uses the ball so well, especially with that left foot. It just amazing to watch and she's a bit on the older side but I think she's still got a long long career in her Mm. and she cares so much about the club as well yeah so that's pretty awesome and again Guthridge I'm just really excited but I think Dargan stepped up a bit more this season and so did Stratton so these are players that probably wouldn't have had as much of an impact had those stars still been there. Yeah, absolutely. They got their chance. And I think Sarah Rowe was really exciting to watch as yes. well. I'm a big rap for the Irish girls. <laughs> um, I'm actually Irish myself. Um, yeah, so big rap for them and, and she was really exciting to watch and I think you could see her kind of improvement across the season when she sort of got a bit more comfortable and, you know, yep. kind of knew where she needed to be and what she needed to do. Um, so she, I think she was a really great find for them as well. And kicking that goal as well, her celebration after kicking that goal was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to one of my favourite teams, the Fremantle Dockers? Oh, I love the Dockers. Yeah. I remember preseason us having a conversation and me being like really pumped about them. And everyone I spoke to preseason about the Dockers was like, mm, okay, like they've been shit. So I don't know why I'm so excited. They got shit done this season. They did get shit done this season. <laughs> Um, they were so exciting to watch. They just pay, played such uh, an attacking, aggressing, aggressive style of footy. They just ran really hard and they took risks and they paid off and, yeah, they were so fun to watch. And they, they proved what you can do when you get your core players out there together without injury and all those sorts of issues. talk about Kiara Bowers. Oh, my, oh my God. God I love her <laughs> with my whole heart. Um, and the beautiful thing about having her in that team was all of a sudden the pressure was off Hooker and Denellen. Yeah. They didn't have to do all the work. Yeah. Because here's Kiara Bowers with her 20 possessions and 8 million tackles a game. Yeah. Um, so that was a really exciting thing, I think, for Fremantle, seeing that sort of come together. She was huge for them this year. She, oh. And I, lived up to the hype because the last, like, two years I'd had people tell me, oh, my God, Kiara Bowers, like, you've got to see Kiara Bowers. And I'm like... What? Who is this player? Like, you know, and she'd been on the injury list for two years and, you know, it struggled to sort of get back in, in, into the team. And then, yeah, now I'm like, I get it. Well, I we saw it. how highly she was rated at the club being put into the leadership group this season without even having played a game. Mm. Oh, my God. And it kind of touches on my favourite moment of the season for them or best moment. Round one against my bloody team. 
that huge win came out, made a statement in a high-scoring game. They got the job done, and the fact that Bowers kicked that goal to seal it in her first game. Oh, I was so sad but so happy at the same time. Yeah. It was, just it was a, such a great game. It was a great game. Yeah. Both teams really turned it on in like 40-degree heat nearly. The dust down at Casey is terrible. Mm-hmm. Also not a good football venue. It's so bad down there. <laughs> but I just – seeing them play that style of football, seeing Antonio go forward and do oh, those things. Oh, what an and, inspired move that oh. was. She was sensational in the forward line. Yeah. Like she's a great defender. But, wow, that was exciting seeing her in the forward line. And it kind of gave her a new lease on life as well, in a way. Yeah. She played much more freely than we've very, seen her play very before. Very Stevie Lee-esque, I think. Yeah. She had a – She had a. I think I wrote uh, she had a renaissance in the forward line. And, <laughs> and I feel like Ebony Antonio had a similar experience with Fremantle. Like yeah. Just, yeah, a bit of a, a, a refresh and a restart and, and it worked. Yeah. Um, who – What was that your moment? Um, I would say my other moment would be Sabrina Duffy. Yes. Just because uh, I really enjoyed watching her play. I thought she was really exciting. Another young young gun. Really smart. Um, yeah, really smart. You know, it had a really successful, like, state um, career with WA in, in the under-18 nationals. And, yeah, so I was really pumped to see her. And then she absolutely delivered. I thought she had a great uh, first season. And, um, yeah, just... Another one of those youngsters that I just really, really enjoyed watching this year. She doesn't look like much, but then the things that she does and just she positions herself beautifully and she runs really well for Mm -hmm. a player that doesn't look like they maybe would run that well. Yeah. Have you seen the footage of her meeting Pav? I have not. Oh, because Matthew Pavlich, her favourite player, she's been a Frio supporter her whole life, has always dreamed to be able to play for Frio. Beautiful. It's happened. And she met Pav and they went out on the field and kicked. And it was just, she was clearly so just like in Starstruck. awe. Yeah. It was yeah. beautiful. So if you can find that. I will I look can't it remember up. where I saw that, but it it's was probably on so the Frio, wonderful. It's probably on the Frio social media, surely. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. Uh, improved player for me was Gemma Houghton um, with a Steph Kane as a close second. So I actually really struggled to, to pick one. Yeah. I, I thought so many Frio girls really stepped up this year. Yeah. Um, Gemma and Steph, but I think Ashley Atkins, Taylor Breslin, I think obviously um, Ebony Antonio's always been yeah. a good player, but that move into the forward line. I, yeah, I just, Evie Gooch, I, I just feel like everybody like stepped up. Yeah, Ash Sharp team. as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was, I really struggled to, and I'm not sure I can pick one player that like, <laughs> Was the most improved because I think everybody really took it up a notch. Yeah. Um, I just think Gemma Houghton, she became a really important presence for them up forward. She became that contested marking player who then went back and generally would and kick the goal. Gee, she's good at it. Yeah. And if she wasn't taking the mark herself, she was at least creating a contest so that Duffy so that uh, O'Sullivan players like that could get involved. And I just – and I – believe it or not, I had forgotten that she'd actually played since the first season. I thought she was new this year. So when I was looking – Really? Yeah, because I had never noticed her before. Yeah, right. And she – I think only played the four games last year, something like that, or two games last year. But she – 
improved so dramatically and that's going to happen when the delivery to you is much better as well and that when you're actually getting the ball because Frio were living in their back half last year Mm -hmm. but I just think her presence her ability to lead up to the ball was really important and when Antonio then late in games had to go back to stem the flow of some games or kind of combat that she still stood really strong and was able to do that so yeah absolutely she also has a great name can i just say (laughs) Um, uh the hooker bowers denallen uh gibson gooch antonio core of this team is terrifying in a good way and i hope they keep them together with the west coast expansion i really do too yeah um because again they could lose up to eight players and yep. I think that's really, really shitty for Frio. Because Especially when they're just starting to get on Just starting to kind of pull it together, you know. So um, you would hope that they could hang on to a bunch of their players. Um, but who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. When does it start this week? Oh, I don't even know. I've been too stressed. I think it started to think today. About... Wait, really? Yeah, I think it's the 1st to the 8th of April. Oh, God. That... Don't I even know. let them have a break. Don't even have a breather. Oh, but yeah, I mean, you know, Frio just ran out of ran out of legs, really. Yeah. You know, they got to the. I think I um I think I read one of Sarah Black's match reports, and it was like, um, the Frio rooms looked like it was like an episode of Mash or something. <laughs> the, the coach said because they were just you know injuries everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and they had a few significant injuries throughout the season that they managed to kind of paper over until that last game. So Yeah, I think it all come undone then, which was disappointing, but I think they should still be really proud of their season. Yeah. Um, and they've given us plenty of awesome, awesome highlights to watch. Yeah. And that great Kiara Bowers gif. <laughs> I love her so much. Like I can't quite express in words how much I love Kiara Bowers. I must have a Kiara Bowers badge. I will be sorting that Frio, out. Frio, please. Two of them, please. <laughs> I need to add it to my Mitch Hannon badge and my swan scarf. Uh, should we move on to the cats? Let's do it. Uh, I think the season opener is pretty obvious. Best opener, best moment of the season for them. Yeah, for sure. I think the club, Geelong as a football club, did a fantastic job of introducing them to the competition. They backed them 100%. Having it at GMHPA Stadium was huge. Um the way they – it wasn't like they were a subsidiary of the men's team. The way Geelong went about having this team, they were so excited. They had a beautiful range of merch. They had all this stuff, and they built up this game really, really well. And I think Geelong should be commended for that because that's a lot of money and expense that a few other clubs have not chosen to spend on their women's team. And that's probably – something that they went above and beyond, which we love to see and wish a lot of the other clubs would be able to do that as well. I think if you'd watched Geelong in the last two VFLW seasons, none of that's surprising. Yeah. Um, Their social media presence um, and just the way they sort of um, covered the VFLW was uh, really exceptional, I thought, Um, at a much higher standard than what many other um, AFL clubs who had um, VFLW teams were doing. Yeah. Um, so none of that surprises me. Also, Cotton On is like a sponsor of Geelong, so also the merch doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, but I agree. I think they did a really, really wonderful job. Um, I That first game was a highlight for me as well. Um, I was there that night and it was just yeah. it was really, really cool. I sat in the sun. It was a mistake. Mm, I sat in the shade because I have red hair. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, that was such a wonderful vibe there and it was really beautiful to see so many of the Geelong supporters who were, um, you know, really so invested in this team and, and just really out there supporting them and, and that's what you want to see. Like this is a new team, they're your team, you've got to get behind them and, and they did. Yeah. Yeah, and they won. They won by the one point. They kind of had a really great first half and then just held on in the second half. But the fact that they were able to come away with a nail-biting win, obviously Nina Morrison really put on a show that night as well, and unfortunately we weren't able to see that again for the rest of the season. But it was just kind of the perfect night as a Mm, whole. Yeah, it really Um, was. Yeah, it was so wonderful. And I still have my ticket up there. (laughs) Uh, I've got one of those too. Yeah, so Beck uh, plays in a few of my friend's bands and I think she's the greatest person ever, so I was very glad to get back on this <laughs> thing. I sound like a weirdo right now. Um, who's your most improved player for Geelong? Got to be Meg Mack. Yep. Sensational I, season. I'm just going to say I assumed you would choose her. That's why I didn't choose her. Okay. Otherwise I would have. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought she was fantastic and I was actually disappointed when the Bulldogs delisted her Yep. because um, I really liked her um, in our first season. I thought she was underused. Yep. Um, but, look, I listened to um, an episode of This AFL Life with Meg Mack and she spoke about um, what she did after she was delisted and, you know, the changes that she made and, and how she worked on her footy and on her body and look what look what she's done. Yeah. You know, she's going to be all Australian defender. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Like how can she incredible. not? She's got to be a lock for sure. Like oh, how? Yeah, I think she's the first one you put in the team, isn't she? I mean, she would be in mine. Like yeah. I just thought, she, yeah, she was huge for Geelong this year. And although, you know, they had more losses than wins, um, I still think she was a really, really important part of their team and will be hopefully for a few years to come. Well, she was a defender in a team that was under a lot of siege in that back line. Yeah. So the way she and Maddie McMahon and Beck Goring and players like that stood strong, they may have leaked goals, but had it not been for the way that back line worked it together, been it would have been a lot worse. so much worse. Yeah. And now they take a lot from that into the next season. Absolutely. Um, they only grow from that because we saw Meg Mack develop as the season went on. Um, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. I've chosen another player in the similar vein, dropped by a club, a year out, came back, uh, Mia Ray Clifford, who yeah. delisted from my club, Melbourne, yes, which yes. is funny. Um, she went back to Geelong's VFLW team and she really improved just completely across the board. Everything she did, um, she improved in and she got thrown forward. She kicked six goals this season and in a team that um, in a team that really cr- were crying out for an avenue to goal, they had to find little things like Olivia Purcell or, or players like that to bob up and do this. Uh, Mia Ray Clifford was a really important one in that. And she, she plays this really tenacious small forward role, but then he's able to kind of step up and take some big marks like mm. a big forward does. Yeah. So her versatility up forward, I think was fantastic. And I've just written second chances are great. So 
that's for both of us. I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I think with what Mary brings as well is um, just great leadership. Yeah. You know, she's been playing footy for a long time. And she would bring that into what is a pretty young side and pretty inexperienced cat side. Yeah. So I think that's really important too, um, you know, and it's something that the likes of Astro O'Connor and Mel Hickey bring to that team as well, mm. um, which can't be underestimated. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of upside with Geelong. You know, I mean, we spoke about Nina Morrison, but and you mentioned Olivia Purcell, but like Denby Taylor and Sophie Van der Heuvel as well. Mm. Like these are young players and they've had a bit of probably a baptism by fire this year and it's probably been pretty tough for them. But I yeah. think in the long run that's going to be good for their footy. Totally, because the I, I liked the way Geelong built this list out of VFLW players, this core of VFLW players who work really well together but have a lot of them had never played at the senior level yet. Mm. Um, so th- that in themselves, the fact that they were able to be a strong group together to go through that together was probably a huge positive for them. Yeah, and, I mean, look out in VFLW season. Oh, they're going to destroy teams. Yeah. They're just going to be so much stronger now. I mean, whether whether a lot of players like take time off, like we've seen with so many other AFLW players, they yeah. just need to. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that recruiting strategy from Geelong was really smart. I thought that was a really long-term thinking yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, they recruited a lot of locals and things like that. I thought that was a really smart decision, particularly when you've got one-year contracts and things, although now we've got two. <laughs> but, you know, that's a really smart decision because you're not sort of going and recruiting someone from interstate who may decide they want to go home or, you know, you're getting locals who live locally uh, happy to stick with Geelong and play with Geelong. I thought that was a really smart recruiting by them. The other part of that is that we hear a lot of detractors say that they're spreading the talent pool too thin and this and that. I think they have strengthened the talent pool by doing it that way as well. So it's better for the competition as a whole that they did that. Rather than just cherry picking players out of other teams. You're giving other players a chance. Again, I refer to the men's game because there's a recent example, but players like a Bailey Fritch that you see in the VFL and bring up to the senior level who otherwise wouldn't have had a chance, Gold Coast getting players like um, Chris Burgess in that mature age recruiting strategy, that makes the competition stronger, but it also gives these guys or these girls uh, who are at the second highest level a chance to realise their dream mm. and by doing that, you're making the competition better. So yeah, just, I agree. If your recruiters can be wily enough to find the right people, it's going to work for you. Absolutely. I, I, I love stories like that. I am a big fan of well, – I've got a lot of scrolling out on this page. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the Giants? Let's do it. I changed oh, my best moment. Yeah, I changed my best moment. That's why I've got lots of scribbling out. Uh, I have chosen Hanin Zarika's first goal. Yeah. The significance of this moment, and again, I have a heart of stone. This moment just made me so emotional because it was an emotional day with the Christchurch terrorism and, and all that sort of stuff. That it, She almost wasn't going to play this game. They had the moment silence before the match, which was a really beautiful gesture. But the fact that Hanin came out and had the best game of her career topped off with that beautiful goal that she kicked in her celebration. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it right now. She had 17 touches in this game, seven tackles in that goal. That goal was her bursting out of a contest and just 
aiming it straight there and kicking it beautifully. That moment for me topped off the Giants season in what otherwise was pretty disappointing. This was beautiful. Yeah, and it kind of speaks to how much the kind of mental aspect can have a really big impact on what you do. Like even when we think about that Carlton prelim, you know, the way what had happened to off the field gal- off the field galvanised them and I think that was probably a similar thing for Hanin. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of hers. I think she's she's amazing. Um, so, yeah, that was a beautiful moment and, um, you know, kind of transcended footy I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, my moment is not quite as beautiful. Um, I just really... I just really love their social media work all year. Yep. I think they they were a step above every other club, the way they went about it. Um, I mean, that Tate Mackerel video. I love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's um, such a character as well. I know. It was so beautiful. And, you know, like her response was just classic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think they've done really, really well. And I've had this conversation with a few people this year about how the Giants social media um, – has been so exceptional and I actually wonder whether it's because they don't carry the baggage of a club like a Collingwood or a Carlton or, you know, any of these like really established um, AFL clubs who are trying to bring in, you know, uh, the women's team at AFLW or VFLW level into their club. The Giants don't have that kind of super masculine baggage because they are such a new club. And I, I wonder whether that has an impact mm. or whether they just have someone really switched on running their social media. Well, Ryan Miller's the guy. Um, being a Swans fan, I hear a lot about him because of the inter-club games that they have. And he seems like a, a guy that just wants to get the stories out there. And for a club that is so new, that don't have that history to get people on board. The stories matter. Exactly. And the stories matter even more when it's a new club in a very new league. Mm, absolutely. So they've got people emotionally on their side, even if you don't go for them. You just want to see those players do well because you've seen those videos. Oh, my God, 100%, because I'm not a rap for the GWS <laughs> men's team. <laughs> well, talking being about a dog you, Toby support. Green. I hate you, Toby Green. Well, so do I because you did it to... But I mean, I I have a lot of time for the for the Giants women's team. I yeah. have a lot of time for them, and I think a lot of that is just the way that they the way their stories are told to yeah. us. And it has brightened a season that was otherwise disappointing. Yeah, I think so because I really expected more from the Giants, and I have oh, no doubt they yeah. expected more for themselves as well. Um, yeah, so that that was. That was pretty disappointing. I mean, there were some high points for sure and, you know, they did have a couple of wins. But, um, yeah, I just I just really thought that they were going to have a better season. Yeah. Um, I That were my tip for the premiership before the season started. Yeah. Look, uh, I don't think you were alone. I'm sure I was kind of like, you know, thinking they could be the dark horse. But... Yeah. They, they just didn't capitalise on the pressure they put on, but then they used it really badly, poorly, I should say, going forward. Um, amongst that, though... Yvonne Bonner. Oh, my God. How her goal isn't nominated for goal of the year is absolutely beyond me. She had such an impact. And when she sparked up, the whole team sparked up. The way she worked with Staunton up forward as well in a team that lost their main avenue to goal in Phoebe McWilliams and then Jacinda Barclay being unavailable for that first game. 
the way they worked together up forward was so awesome to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of Von Bonner. The other one is Elise Parker. Came third in the AFL Players Association MVP for the Rising Star Award. Youngest player, whatever it's called. Best first year player. That's the one. Um, she was in the top three amongst Sabrina Duffy and obviously Deserves, Parker's deserves the to be there. She, her uh, skill in pressured situations is like nothing I've ever seen before. Have you seen that kick where she pushes off and kicks off one step? Oh, there are so many times that she does that though, so you probably don't know the exact one I'm thinking of. Um, she's going to be such a player. And then Ellie Brush has been playing, I think she played last year, maybe the year before as well. I'd never really noticed her before, but she came out this season and was just kind of a little terrier at people and she was getting aggressive and stuff like that, but she never overstepped the mark and she kind of gave the Giants a bit of grunt that mm. they maybe were missing. Yeah. I really liked what she did. And statistically, she didn't improve drastically across the board, but she just kind of was there when they needed her. Yeah. But my most improved player was Rebecca Beeson. She was mine too. Incredible. Great season. She just stepped up with that outside ball and her, her movement on the wing was really important. Um, yeah, she she didn't find the scoreboard like she had in the past two seasons, but her pressure and, and use of the ball on the wing was so important to them. And I think that comes off, um, you know, she played a season with Hawthorne in the VFLW. Yeah. So I think that was probably really... Won a premiership. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was probably really helpful for her game. So to come off that and then step into the Giants, I think she had a really wonderful season and, and was certainly a highlight. Yeah. Hopefully they can keep her up there for next year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Maybe can, they need to sign her to a two-year deal two year so deal. that Hawthorne can't snatch her away. <laughs> okay, it's time to talk about Melbourne. My, <laughs> the team that I love that also break my heart. Do you want to tell me your best moment of the season first? Do you know what? I really struggled to pick one for Melbourne. <laughs> I, I really did. And, and I actually wrote down missing out on the finals again because of the situation, the like structure of the season. But that's not a best moment. That's a worst moment. That's like a horrible thing that's happened to <laughs> Melbourne again for like the third year in a row. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for Melbourne supporters because like the AFL has just structured the season consistently to shaft you. I'd feel... Uh... I'd feel worse about it had they shown up to that round seven game. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if they'd put in that game and not gotten their own percentage again, I would have been tearing my hair out. But yeah. Adelaide just destroyed them and yeah. were clearly the better side. But my best moment, and I'm sorry about this, Tegan Cunningham's mark and goal to win over the Dogs in round six. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just rolled my eyes really aggressively. <laughs> uh, the Demons of Old would That was a great game, though. Oh, my God. I was dying at that game. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they could not convert in that first quarter. The Demons we knew of the last two years probably would have rolled over and lost that game. Mm. But they showed that kind of strength and steel to still surge that ball forward and find that target. And the other thing is the the big story going into that game was that Cunningham had a terrible game when she played the Dogs the year before. 
she didn't get a touch and she wanted to rectify that and the fact that she stepped up and took that beautiful mark, which I've likened to Kuda's mark in the 99 prelim, just saying, um, and then to go back and actually slot it because she doesn't have the best accuracy, that to me was the moment of the season and it just like gave me chills. But I also think that um, having Maddie Gay there, Maddie Gay has been outstanding this year. I don't know how Carlton let her go, but she has stepped into that Daisy Pierce role and dominated that midfield this season. I just realised what my highlight is. Daisy Pierce's twins. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the photos of them all meeting the twins? Yeah, the team, oh, yeah. it's the cutest thing ever. They are super cute babies and I'm so pumped for like mother-daughter, mother-son role It's the in, perfect like, situation, isn't it? How amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good, um, that was a pretty good um, best moment of the season for Melbourne, for sure. And it was right before that Brisbane game where... Yeah, it was about. Think. It was. It was about then. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I because mean, I'm they surprised had a big win. she didn't get called for the following week. Like I was certain she would get called <laughs> up. But well, Beck Goddard kind of gave it away because it hadn't been announced yet, and Beck Goddard said it during the broadcast. She did said, she really? Well, she didn't say it specifically, but she said something really weird, like sending all my love to Daisy and her family, and everyone was like. What? what? <laughs> and then it came out after the game that she'd had she'd the, babies the babies the day before. Uh, so it was very funny from Beck Goddard who just kind of dropped the ball there. Beck Goddard was just like a highlight for me, just her commentary, like oh. just a season highlight. She was sensational. Oh, amazing. I'm still secretly hoping. Any commentator that references the cause. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Um, who was your most improved player for the Ds? Um, I've got two. Yep. So um, Alicia Newman and Eden Zanka. <sighs> Eden Zanka has my heart. She's she the tucks few- her jumper in. She does. And I'm well on board with that. <laughs> I know that has nothing to do with anything, but I don't care. Tegan Cunningham does too. It's a great look. It is a great look. Just because they have that elastic band around. This yes. has got nothing to do with it. It's great though. But it's a good look. But no, I, I think Eden was, um, I think she had a really good year. I think she really, um, you know, has grown as a player. She's still quite young. She's 19. Um, but, you know, she was taking some great marks for the Ds and, and – kind of giving you a little bit of insight into what she's going to be able to do, you know, in another in another year or two. I think I tweeted at least four times in the season that she's the future of the Melbourne Football Club. So not to put too much pressure on the girl. But no, no, it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> her ability to play that backup rock role as well, to allow Cunningham to sit forward still, is so crucial and she's so mobile to get around the ground. I She love is mobile, her. but she's still like she's still like I think solid enough to be able to hold her ground in a marking contest and, you know, does really well. But she moves really well as well. So. And slots the goals. That goal from the boundary. Obviously that's oh. a handy thing to do. <laughs> um mine is Harriet Cordner. Um, Harriet Corden is a player who has gone way under the radar the the past couple of seasons. She comes from a really rich footballing background in her family. Mentioned before that she's now the seventh member of her family to play for the D's on Victoria Park, which is amazing. Um, And previously, I think when you you thought about the Melbourne defence, you thought Meg Downey, you thought Brooke Patterson, you thought uh, Sarah Lampard before she got injured, maybe Ashley Guest. You didn't really think of Harriet Cordner. This season, she stepped up and became that key defender. 
and we saw her having a her kind of coming of age game against Brisbane where she completely shut down Sabrina Frederick Traub. She had a phenomenal season. She took a lot of intercept marks and became this that really solid lockdown tall defender that allowed Downey to then get off the chain a little bit. It allowed Lampard to push up the field. It allowed Emerson, who new to the team, to get up into the midfield a bit more. She was such a rock back there and it annoys me so much that her whole season is still going to be scarred by that ridiculous free kick she apparently gave away on Emma King in the North game. That is in my nightmares, but I don't think she did anything wrong. I think she's had such a wonderful season. The other thing that I really like about her game is the way she kicks the ball. She hits her targets 9.9 times out of 10. She just uses it really well. So that's exactly what you need coming out of defense. Absolutely. Especially if you're under the pump a little bit. Her ability to keep control of the ball and pass that on to a teammate is so crucial. And I just think she's had such a wonderful season. And in a season where we've seen all these young players do amazing things, we've seen Frio come out of nowhere, we've seen all this stuff happen, um, She, her story has gone really under the radar. And I just want to be like, Harriet Cordner, I love you. Um, <laughs> she she is a big part of why Melbourne was so good this year. Mm. Um, yeah. That's my that's my TED talk today. Sorry, <laughs> um, I just really think that she hasn't got enough praise for what she's been able to do this season, and this is coming from a Melbourne supporter who's biased. But um, I love her. Well, I mean, that's kind of defenders as a general rule, isn't it? Yes, that's true. Mm. I've always been a defender in every sport I've played, so yes, I understand. <laughs> uh, shall we move on <laughs> after my big rant? Uh, North Melbourne, mm. Tasmanian Kangaroos. I should say the full name. <laughs> Legally obligated. <laughs> um, well, if you don't say Marvel, you get in trouble. Apparently. Yeah. I assume our best moment is going to be the same one. I've got round one v Carlton in Oracle game. I just said the whole season. <laughs> I, I just think until they hit the – well, until really they hit the Crows, like they just looked on fire, didn't they? Mm. Yeah. Annoyingly, um, that Crows game was sensational. Um, yeah, look, I mean, definitely that. Obviously, that first game, you know, it's it's kind of like the Geelong thing. It's the opening game for them. Mm. It was down in Hobart, which you know, I kind of feel like if you're a diehard North supporter, you would have been a bit shattered about that that it wasn't, you know, in Melbourne. Yeah, um, but obviously the they're the Tasmanian situation with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, there's, there was lots of good moments for North this year. Yeah, I think Emma King's performance in that first game was the pinnacle of what this team could do. Mm. Um, her ability to influence in the ruck, but also then go forward and kick three goals. Yeah, um, no one can really go with her when she's in defence. They infringe on her a lot, a lot because um, she's so dangerous. Mm. Her game was fantastic, and it was looking like no one was going to get that ruck spot off her. I think later in the season, maybe um, Lauren Pierce maybe influenced that a little bit more, but um, she was fantastic in that first game and they just destroyed Carlton. It was yeah. amazing. They really did. And I think that was the that was the game when you were just like, oh, no. Yeah. Well, we might as well just give North the cup now. Hilariously, it didn't turn out. Sorry, North fans. Hilariously, Hilariously Carlton it didn't turn out that way. I know. Like, how ridiculous <laughs> is that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Don't we love conferences? Yeah, look, lots of highlights for North Melbourne. And I think that's not a surprise because they cherry-picked, like, their team from, like, the best of the competition. But I still think that even though um, they did that, um, we still see players like Emma King, Kate Gillespie-Jones, um, Duffin have really, really good years. Yeah. Even though we already knew that they were good players. Yeah. They, they went to another they, level. They went to another level, um, which I suppose is easy to do when you've got such a talented team around you. Um, but I still, I mean, I thought Jess Duffin had an absolutely fantastic year. And like her ability to, um, it's such a footy cliche, but like to mark taller than she is. Oh, you know, no, she's it's not, huge. She's not a tall person, but she can just jump up and grab the ball. And that obviously is an incredible skill to have and she has it. So I thought she did really well. But I also really liked, um, I mean, obviously Ash Riddell was injured at the start earlier in the year, but the likes of her and Sophie Abitanjanello, I'm, I'm always going to stuff that up. Yes. You know, those, those, those um, women that were picked up that were overlooked in the first two seasons and North picked them up and then you seen them and you were like, yeah. Yeah. They should have been picked up in the first two years. Yeah. But. Um, I, yeah, they, I have, they were really cool to see as well. I have Abitangelo and, and Riddell there, but I've also got Jess Trend. I think she was really phenomenal. Yeah, and, and Courtney Munn. Oh, I love Courtney Munn so much. But Drennan? Yes. Drennan went really under the radar in that respect too. She Her ability to attack the contest was incredible. And in a midfield where Carney and Bruton are there probably doing the grunt of the work, she was able to just roam free and it was fantastic to watch her even though I despise North as a club Um, (laughs) and I'm not ashamed to admit that Um, I think that Mo Hope was able to play a freer game and she may not have hit the scoreboard hugely but she didn't need to and this is my argument with Mo Hope all the time and people are always like oh you know she's supposed to be these this sensational forward why isn't she cooking 20 goals a game well they don't play enough minutes for that to happen yes first of all but second of all because of the type of play that she is you can't leave her free Mm. you've got to have somebody on her so what she can do as a forward is she can draw somebody at least one player away from the contest Mm -hmm. and if she draws two players from the contest you've got a free person in your forward line which is Pretty handy. Yeah. Like it's the same sort of thing when you think about how stacked Carlton's forward line is, you know, when when there was talk that Bree Davey was going to push down to the forward line. Yeah. Um, how stacked that would be because you couldn't leave um, Darcy, you couldn't leave Taylor, you couldn't leave Bree without a player. You can't leave Mo Hope without a player. Mm. So you have to have somebody on her. So it doesn't matter whether she's kicking one goal or five goals or no goals she has an important role in that forward line of drawing one of the best defenders. Exactly. And that is an important role. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I've been arguing with people about this all season. Uh, But the other thing is I think people go in expecting her to kick five goals a game. That's not what they need from her. They need her to kick one or two to contribute, but also, as you said, take that defender. Take a defender. She, in a number of games this season, kicked a couple of goals and – contributed really strongly so I I think people's expectation of her is so unrealistic but she played probably her best season of footy this season because she was happy she was happy she was in a forward line that didn't rely on her to kick 12 goals a game they relied on her to as we said draw a player move 
in the forward 50 to the patterns that they planned and bob up and kick one or two. And she and was able to do that. And that's all she needed to do because she had Emma King there. She had Courtney Munn there. She Jazzy had, Garner. She had Jazzy Garner. She had Sophie Abatangelo. <laughs> I'm going to get her name wrong all the time. I'm so sorry, Sophie. Like she had all those players around her. Ash so Riddell. She yeah. didn't need to be the be-all, end-all of the forward line, which too often she was at Collingwood. Yeah. And the amount of pressure that puts on you as a player, I think, is immense. Yeah. So relieved of that pressure, she can be the player that so many of us have seen her at a lower level be. Yeah, she was fantastic. I I thought she had a really great season and I just think the nonsense of, you know, if she's not kicking a bag (sighs) full of goals and she's not performing is rubbish. Yeah, it's so annoying. My most improved player, just to get back on my notes here, uh, sorry, uh, Kate Gillespie-Jones. Yeah, I had her down too. She just really consistently marked the ball in defence. She was, she was really strong in terms of repelling out of that back line. And similar to Ash Brazel, she not only repelled it out of the back line, but she got it into a really important attacking she position. Used it, she used it really well. She's a tank as well. Oh, She's, my God, she is. Have you seen her arms? <laughs> Oh, my God, her, Mel Hickey and Erin Phillips. Woo, watch out. Terrifying. <laughs> um, but she also pressured well. So she's a, she's a taller defender, but she ha- was averaging 5.7 tackles a game. Mm. That's huge compared to the two that she was doing prior. Um, I just think she took that huge step up. And, again, coming into a team where you can trust your teammates that they're going to do – exactly what you need them to do, which is what this North team was able to do. And I know that it – and that's not to say Carlton players couldn't be trusted back when she was at Carlton, but it's these players were the talent, most talented players at their previous clubs. They're the ones that – reliable, predictable. So she was able to become that player too. There was very few chinks in the North Melbourne armour. Yeah. And so when you're when you have that – you can trust and rely that your teammates are going to be there. They're going to run into that space. They're going to have your back. You and can that makes, peel off a little bit. That makes you a better player. Exactly. I do have a negative thing to say about North. And, again, I notably don't like North very much. But towards the end of the season, uh, when they dropped a game and they maybe were a little bit less comfortable in the position, there are some things creeping into their game that I really didn't like to see. And I hope that it doesn't continue, but it does seem to be a club thing because it's something that the men's team does too. Um, you may need to explain this uh, a little yeah, bit more. A couple of like little things like dropping the knee in after a tackle or looking for the free kick instead of playing the ball and little things like that that you just kind of don't want to see in footy. And while they're not technically against the rules, it's just like not fun to watch. It's against the vibe. Yeah, and there were little things, like the double hundred, a double 50-metre penalty that we saw that they manufactured in a way, and we don't like the rule, but they exploited it, and some people would say that's just smart play, but it's just, I don't know, it just puts me off a little bit. Mm. And they were kind of the only team that I saw doing that stuff. Um, I just didn't like it. And, it, yeah, dropping the knee in a tackle it's just I hate that with a burning passion. It's really dangerous. And Ben Cunnington is notoriously uh, notoriously does that. And to see it happen in the women's team just makes me feel uncomfortable about the club culture when it comes to that sort of stuff. Mm. And I'm not trying to bring this stuff down. They were wonderful to watch, beautiful to watch 
play and there are a lot of players on this team that I adore with my whole heart, but those things probably I wish we could stop. Yeah. Um, but how do you stop it? Well, I mean, the umpiring needs to pick that sort of stuff up. Yeah. So I just wanted to have my rant about that because it's kind of gone unsaid uh, because we're trying to be really positive about the AFLW because it needs a lot of positivity, but... I think it can be positive as well as offering constructive criticism. Yes. And I think there's a very big difference between criticism for the sake of criticism and constructive criticism. Those are two very, very different things. And we've recently seen someone come out and just insult a player under the guise of constructive criticism, and it was not constructive in the slightest. So, yeah, there's a line. Just going to say that. That's a good rule. Easy rules. Should we move on to your team to finish on some fun? We should is because it, fun? it, it I don't is. Know if it's fun, no, it, it's fine. Look, here's my theory, right? <laughs> the Western Bulldogs are a really uh, lovely team and wanted to share the grand final, the premiership around. That's exactly That's what they we also did wanted this to year. share their players around. <laughs> That's what we did this year, and I'm really proud of us for being so lovely. Can you tell me what your favourite or best moment of the dog season was? The flag unfurling. Yes. It was pretty rad. Well, you'd hope so. <laughs> um, that's always an awesome thing. I've actually seen a couple in the last couple few years, so that's pretty nice, uh, being oh. a Western dog supporter. Oh, we, we won't go there. Sorry. We're surrounded by Swans <laughs> posters in this room. I'm looking at a Sydney Swans poster as I remember 2016. No, that's. I mean, that was a really, really lovely moment to have that flag unfurling, particularly because... Um, Chris Grant's daughter and another Bulldogs player who is escaping me at the moment and I feel terrible for forgetting <laughs> his name, but his daughter, um, the two of them uh, unfurled the flag, which That's was a awesome. really, really beautiful moment, I thought. That sort of, you know, paying tribute to the sort of history of the club and then also the potential future because I'm pretty sure Chris Grant's daughter plays footy and is yeah. a uh, draft pick uh, year after next, I think. So That's super exciting. exciting. Um, yeah, so that was really beautiful. But, you know, I mean, the Pride game is always a highlight as well and for me Izzy Huntington getting back out on the park was pretty special that's mine her she her kicking that first goal um in that game against Freer in round five that was beautiful um whether you like or you hate the dogs Izzy Huntington is such a wonderful character in that Mm. club to see uh, similar to Chloe Shear actually where they do something phenomenal and then the next moment they're down with the knee. I know, those two goals at the, Bris- at the Brisbane game last year and was, she took those two incredible marks and kicked yeah. those two goals and it was like, we like as a Dogs fan, you were so excited because you were like, yes, like this is what we'd heard about Izzy Huntington and here she is doing it. And then the next second she's on the ground clutching her knee and it's just really distressing. Yeah, so her coming back and impacting the scoreboard, she wasn't at that best yet but she's back. Yeah. she. I imagine she'll play a full... VFLW season and then get straight back into it next year. And, and that's really exciting because she did have another setback with the knee over the summer. So she did, yeah, yeah. She wasn't just coming off the ACL. She was coming off that plus the setback. And mm. it was just for a 19-year-old kid, that can be pretty disheartening. She just seems so mature and positive and lovely. So and, much, yeah. yeah. She's, she's, yeah, she's got her head screwed on right. And um, I think that's a really good addition to the team. Yeah. Just that sort of personality, you know, really grounded. Yeah. Um, really grown up. Totally. Yeah. Uh, who's your most improved player? You're going to know this more than I will, but. 
Um, I think Libby Birch and Lauren Spark had really great seasons. I think they kind of really stepped up their defensive game. I reckon Libby's um, game has just grown in leaps and bounds since the first season. She's really um, embraced that sort of defender role and um, that's like really cool to see. But, you know, Lauren Spark I think had a really sensational season as well. But um, obviously in the midfield, Mon Conti and Kirsty Lamb really stepped up with yep. Emma Carney and Jenna Bruton. You know, they kind of um, lifted that midfield, I think. Kirsty Lamb is just one of the most hardworking, tenacious players I've ever seen in my life. And I still think about I that kick. I love her so much. That kick to Brooke Lachland in the Pride match last year. I still think about that kick to her to create that goal opportunity. That was an amazing kick. She's just such a great player. She's 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 so hard. She's so tough. You know, if there's a pack, she's going to be at the bottom of it, like yeah. nine times out of ten. Um, but someone I think that really stood out for me this year is actually Ash Utri. That's who I've got. Mm. She's way younger than I realised. Is she? She's only like 21. Yeah, no, I thought she was 21. I thought she was much older than that. Because I've seen all the Bulldogs players wishing her a 21st birthday just oh, recently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I think she uh, had a really great season. In my head, I just think about that mark she took off the Izzy Huntington kick in the Melbourne game That where she got on top. She knew that someone needed to step up to get that goal through she took that mark and went back and kicked it that mark was phenomenal she was just I I saw her like super involved in a lot more play this year as well so maybe maybe the fitness is up maybe she just stepped up to the plate with players gone I think it's a it's a I mean, and I guess you can say this with any like cross-coder player and I suppose it's similar to like the Ash Brazel thing it's a I think it's a confidence thing too it's mm. you know she's come across from hockey um, you know, great, very talented hockey player. But footy is a different game. Yeah. And so and I think the positioning of footy is a really interesting part of the game, like where you need to be on the ground um, to play your role and all that kind of stuff. You know, people can talk at you, yeah. but until you actually go out and do it on the ground, um, none of that talk really matters. Yeah. And I think a lot of what has happened with um, Ashutri this year is that she just has that kind of she's beginning to understand yeah. how she goes about playing this game, what her role is, where she needs to be, you know, and how to position herself on the field. And so you can see that then play out in how well she does. Yeah, totally. Yeah. She was she was wonderful. I think she and you mentioned Libby Birch. I think she really stood out a lot more as well in her gameplay. She was fantastic last year in the Premiership, but I think I noticed her more this season as well. Just in the way she went about it, it was great. Maybe because it was going back there a bit more than yeah, probably. Well. She actually had to like do some more work this season. Yeah, um, I, it's I, fine. I think that the loss in your team through injury and expansion was probably second to Brisbane and Collingwood. Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, Emma Carney was – she was the best player in the competition. You mm. know, she had won the best and fairest. She's a sensational footballer. So she was definitely a huge loss. Mm. I think particularly because um, our midfield had been structured around like her and Ellie Blackburn. Mm. And then to take out a really important cog – and, and then to lose your ruck in that as well. Lose Astro O'Connor, lose Jenna Bruton, who was an, another very important um, person through the midfield and into the forward line. So I think they were really important um, sort of like almost, well, I mean, is a midfielder a key position player? But Emma, but Carney, Emma Carney was a key 
player in that team. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely, I think that did have a big um, a big impact on our team, for sure. The other thing that I think really hurt the Dogs, they were the weakest team in the strongest conference. They had to play every single one of the other really strong teams. No mm. other team had to do that. We didn't have to play Collingwood and the Giants. This is the thing. So those are the teams that you probably would have gotten percentage boosting wins over, and mm. that's really probably disrespectful to say, but it's true. It's true. Uh, so the fact that you didn't play them and you had to play every single one of Adelaide, Melbourne, Frio, and North, you were just up against it. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And I think that reveals the problems with the with the conference system because it's never going to be fair. Yeah. If you're not playing every team in the competition, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not coming at this as like a bitter Bulldogs fan. I've I got a premiership. <laughs> I'm coming at this as someone that's saying the competition is not fair mm. while you're not playing every team. Yep. Be, I just don't see how it can ever work. Yeah, and uh, I come at it from a bit of Melbourne fan perspective. <laughs> um, the, I think the AFLW were incredibly glad that Carlton won that prelim because it made the conference system look not as bad. Oh, absolutely. 100%. But Geelong, as much as we love what they did this season... Shouldn't have been playing in a prelim. They shouldn't, and it was humiliating for them to play that game. It was almost like they gave them that goal in the end because imagine if they didn't score at all. I know. like, And that is like, I mean, when, you t- when you're talking about a growing competition, and we are in the very early stages of this national competition, mm. women's footy has a very long history, and you can listen to my TED talk about that when <laughs> I make it. But, you know, it does have a really long history, but the AFLW is very new. Yep. And I, I just don't think a conference system is a way to encourage the development of the competition because when you have a final like that prelim with Geelong and Adelaide, that was really hard to watch from a Geelong perspective. Yeah, from, from a an neutral Adelaide perspective. Pers- yeah, I mean I was a, neut- was a neutral viewer and it was still hard for me. Like I get really... Um, upset when teams don't score like that. Like that really worry. Like I just, I don't like it. I've never liked it in any level of football and I'm not going to like it at the highest level. It doesn't help either team. It just, it was just bad. And I, obviously, as I said, I know Beck and I know the hard work that she's put in that all those Geelong girls have put in. Not only were they put in that position, but they were put in that position without one of their best players who... Nina Morrison, I know she only played the one game, but she was one of their best players. Well, Phoebe McWilliams didn't play either. She was out as well with a broken hand. Like, it was just not the way you want the season to end. No, and it's almost like it's it's just it was just a really shitty thing for the AFL to do mm-hmm. to kind of put them in that position because no one thought that they were going to beat Adelaide. No, and I, I well, I know one person that did, but they were delusional. I I love that Geelong team. I love so many of those players. Everyone knows I love Mel Hickey. Yeah, you know, like how can you not love Mel Hickey? Exactly. <laughs> but you know, I am also a big fan of Meg Mac, Aster O'Connor. Like I love those girls and. Um, you know, Megan Fogos, who plays for Geelong, played at my my footy club, Redan. So, yeah. like, you know, I have a lot of um, respect for that team. But no, nobody thought they were going to win that game. Yeah. And probably nobody was super surprised that it went the way that it did. Yeah. And 
yes, it's a shitty way to enter this end the season, and Geelong didn't deserve to have their season end like that. No, it was their first season in the competition, so they didn't deserve to finish their season like that. Yeah, and the conference system just is never. Well, I mean, we can talk about the way it was set up because the two um, conferences were uneven. Yeah, but I, I think the absolute nature of – sorry, I'm just getting up the questions that we got from Twitter today so sure. that I can ask them next. But um, the, the nature of conferences is always going to be uneven. I think the nature of conferences in a competition where there's so much player movement in the off-season – and there's, it's such a short competition where injuries can completely cruel a season. It's never going to be fair, no matter how you choose which teams are in each. No, but I think you can you can make you can very effectively make the argument that the way that the two conferences were set up was always going to be bad. incorrect. Yeah, it was always incorrect. Um, and I think you could make that call even if you even if you make the argument that nobody knew how North Melbourne and Geelong were going to end up. We all knew what was going to happen with North Melbourne. Yeah. Like, come on, nobody was surprised that they won that many games and were that good. Um, so I think that was hugely problematic to begin with. It was like no kind of foresight went into this. They just went, um, you know, it's like when you're at footy training and your coach goes one, two, one, two, one, yeah. two, like that, you know, like, and then they got to North and Geelong and went one, two, like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like no thought went into it. And and I just think if you um, if they're going to pursue that conference system, we're going to continue to have situations like this. I think uh, one way to pursue conferences while still creating a little bit more fairness in that comp is have first team from each conference through, but then the next two are wild cards. The next two best performers – get through. And I know that that doesn't solve the who did you play question, but at least rewards the teams that have had better uh, results throughout the home and away season when it gets to finals. So if we'd got to that final series and it was Carlton and it was Adelaide and then it was Frio and North through, I would have been happy. And if, if that's how it went and Melbourne missed out on that, I would be like, yep, okay, they missed out because they weren't good enough. But the fact that they pers- like persisted with that first and second, first and second, they could have halfway through the season. I know there's probably contractual things that become an issue here, but I think they could have halfway through the season when they saw how it was going, could have said it's a wild card for those second two spots. That would have solved a lot of the issues. Um, and they were not, never going to do that, though. No, it's not a perfect solution. But I think it could have helped a little bit. And I think going into next season where it's looking like we're going to get them again, that could be a way to solve that in a small way. Even though we don't want it, it could make it better. Mm. It could make the final series better at least. Yeah, I'm still not sold. Anyway, should we get to these? (laughs) We've got two questions that came through on Twitter today. The first one comes from Jared Yanovich. I definitely said that wrong. Sorry, Jared. Can the AFL schedule games at times that recognise the summer heat? When will more games get to the larger stadiums like Eddie had or the SCG? Obviously, Marvel. Uh, summer heat is hard to combat when you're playing in summer. Yeah. Uh, I think the Northern Territory games probably need to be better planned. I, I don't think they should be playing, um, you know, mid-afternoon games in Brisbane. 
or at Casey Mantle. Fields. Or at Casey Fields. <laughs> um, I think there does need to be a little bit more thought going into the season. But, I mean, it's I mean it's also very difficult. How do you predict the weather? Yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, the first Casey Fields game Melbourne had against was Brisbane. It was a thunderstorm. It, and they had to delay the game. So, and we've had that twice in Sydney. Yeah. Like, I don't think we should play at Drummond Oval. No. I think that granny's cursed, just yes. quietly. I think that's really, really tough. And, I mean, this is an ongoing conversation because when do we schedule the AFLW? Yeah. Like, what do we, what do we uh, want more? Do we want clean air or do we want footy to be played in winter when it should be played? Yeah. Because, of course, the summer, what summer means is hard grounds. And I think that yeah potentially has an impact on injuries as well. Well, yeah, there's the, all the complaints about women being injured and the AFL has a duty of care and people act like no male player has ever been injured. But you've got to think about the contributing factors here. And I think hard grounds definitely contribute. Hard grounds, but also playing in heat where you get tired faster so your muscles aren't as reactive. That's a big question as well. Like, in, I mean, how many times did they actually enact the heat policy this year? Because I there think wasn't it a lot. Once. I think it happened once. And, you know, I've seen photos of Melbourne putting, like, tablecloths out the top of the benches to try and counteract some of the insane heat. It was, like, 36 degrees or something. Yeah. And who is making the call about the heat policy? Yeah. Someone sitting in an air-conditioned office? Like, that, to me, is a play welfare issue. I saw a lot of JLT games have the heat policy enacted, though. Just yeah. mentioning. Well. Uh, which I think is really interesting, considering... There was a lot of complaint about the men playing in heat, but there Nobody wasn't talks as much about, about it. About, well, I mean, I talk about it a lot yeah. because it's sh- shit. Um, <laughs> the other part of the question, when will we get more games at larger stadiums? I don't think we need them at larger stadiums as much. I think the thing I like about the larger stadiums, we saw at Adelaide, we saw at Optus Stadium, we saw at Marvel Stadium early this season. The fact that larger stadiums provide you protection from more of the elements, meaning gameplay is cleaner, but it also provides a more enjoyable experience in terms of supporters having a seat to sit at that is protected a little bit more, things like that. I enjoy those aspects of it being at stadiums. I think the atmosphere is better at places like Vic Park, though. So I guess it's that balance. It it is a balance. Um, I think the doubleheader at Marvel, Eddie had Docklands, Telstra Dome Colonial (laughs) Stadium. Um, that was so good. Which is what I'm going to start referring to it as. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that worked really, really well. Yeah. I thought that was fantastic and I really enjoyed being there. You had, you know, um, four teams playing. Yeah. What I would have liked if they actually had advertised the Masters and we could have made it a real festival of footy, yes. that would have been such a sensational sort of thing. that I, I don't think they pushed it enough that we've got this awesome doubleheader festival of footy type thing, come mm. down and see three games of footy, which you could have done if you came to see the Masters as well so um yeah it's a tough one because i don't want to leave grounds like um princess park and witten oval either because and even norwood oval for adelaide i think there's um there's that nostalgia and there's that connection there's that history there now because we've played three seasons and we've used these grounds and we have these incredible moments like brook lockland's eight million goals and (laughs) you know the pride games and the first you know the lockout the first game you know we've we've got all those moments now and so I think there's a there's a line there between, like you said, between keeping those grounds but then being able to access the bigger grounds as well. And we come to issues like the lighting at Princess Park and things like that even comes into play. Yeah. But I just think the hard part as well is that they want 
the broadcast to be more accessible, meaning games come one after the other. But when you're out at these community grounds, it's much harder to get from one to the other in time to catch two games in a day. And I think that's an important point because something that I don't think the AFL still quite gets about this competition is that while we may have our teams, while I may be a Bulldog supporter always first and foremost, I want to get to as many games as I can. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who's playing. I want to get there and I want to support them. And a couple of times this year there was a game at Vic Park two hours later, the the game starting at Witten Oval, which is fine for Channel 7. Yeah. But, like, for me as a supporter, I can't go to both games, so I have to make a decision. Yeah. It's not like going from the MCG to um, Docklands, which you jump on a train, it's two stops, and then you can get there in time. It's completely different, especially when Melbourne, Melbourne are playing in Casey Fields. Um, there were a lot of times where I, because I want to see every single game, obviously mm. being a supporter but also wanting to cover it for play on radio, I chose to stay home to watch the game so I could catch every single one. Because if I drive to Casey Fields, I miss both other games that day because it takes me that long to 40 get there. minutes to get there, 40 minutes to get home. Yeah. Um, so uh, having as a fan to, having to make those choices where you, you're seen as not a good supporter because you don't get there, but it's because you just want to be able to consume all the footy that you can. Those decisions are made by broadcast and when With they're no at, consideration for the fans and what we actually want. Exactly. And when they're at these community fields that we do love, it makes it that bit harder combined with all those other things. So I think that is where the line is too. Mm. We've got one other question from Melanie Ray. Uh, we know they're doing an – oh, we kind of touched on this before. We know they're doing an official review of the season and conferences with the Players Committee. If you were part of that review – I think this is directed more at you than me. <laughs> if you were part of that review, what would your feedback be for season 2020, length of season, timing of the season, player salaries, etc.? Um, my feedback would be conferences suck. Um, let's get rid of conferences. Let's play a full uh, season. Play Everyone plays each other once and then we can have two, three-week final series. Um, my feelings about the uh, placement of the season are a bit more complicated. Uh, I don't think there's an easy solution. Yeah. Um, you know, there's been talk of starting it in like October and running it through or maybe starting in November and having like a split season, you know, six weeks before Christmas and maybe like six or seven weeks after it. I don't know. I don't think there's an, there's not an easy fix for that. Yeah. Um, at the moment. Um, and I think the AFL has built themselves this little window in February and March, and they're not prepared to expand that window at the moment, which is like... Really, really, dis- really, really disappointing. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that looks out. Player wages, play them more. I, I, I mean, I. It's really simple for me. Give them more money. Yeah. Like the AFL has the ability to do it, and yeah. we've seen it with the WBBL. We've seen it with we've AFL. Seen, we've seen the no, but we've seen the investment that's oh, yeah. come through pay wise to those players, and we've seen that play off in their that pay off mm. in their skill. Because if you looked at the stats from the WBBL, it's just like gone up and up and up and up as they have become more professionalized and are able to be full time cricketers. Yeah, the same thing happens. It will happen with the AFLW yeah. if you give them the resources to be more professional, to be full-time professionals, then that's what happens. Yeah, I think another thing that we gloss over a little bit when we talk about uh, when the season is played is that 
there's no seconds competition for players who are dropped to go back to to prove their skill improvement to get back into the side. Yeah, that's a really hard thing as well. When you're dropped, there's no way of playing back into the side. You just have to tr- like train better. Exactly. Or hope that, you know, a gap opens up or that your specific skill set is needed in a game. And yeah. I think that has a big impact on skill level in games too. If you're consistently playing football every week, whether it be at the highest level or it be in the reserves team, you're only going to get better. And that is something that if we do get a season, even if it's shorter, that happens while the VFLW season is on, that's a big plus. Yeah, and you can make sure that you're sort of lining it up with the, you know, the Queensland State Comp and the WA exactly. State Comp. Like you can make sure that you're sort of lining it up in that respect. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's even something they're considering. Yeah. And and I also think there there's this sort of like um, concern that if you were to try and sort of match them up a little bit, then you would decimate the VFLW. And I can, I feel in two minds about that argument because on the one hand, um, okay, but on the other hand, how many of the AFLW players actually went back to the VFLW last year? Yeah, they were probably, it was probably more the young players coming through that we saw. There were so many that just didn't play. Yeah, because it's just so taxing on your body playing two seasons They just didn't do it and we still had a really great VFLW season. Yeah. So I think that argument um, less and less is relevant. Mm. And I think you could say the same thing with all the other state leagues as well, particularly because you're talking about states where there's only one AFLW team or, yeah. or well, there will be two you know, next year or what have you. Yeah. So I think that's a really, really important point about the reserves competition that is not sort of factored into the into the conversation. Yeah. Um, salaries, yeah, I agree. Pay them more. Uh, ignore the people online that suggest that they're not worth it because 53,000 people rocked up to watch them play. I think that makes them worth it. Um, also, those people are just dickheads. Yeah, I had a great chat with a guy today who has now deleted all his tweets, but I'm glad and I there, have their, arg- their arguments are so um, sort of circular as well mm-hmm. because it's like, well, you need to get better before we can pay you more, but you need the, the time that money provides you to get better. Yeah. And I always come back to the analogy of if I'm starting a, a business um, – I have to invest in that business. Yeah. I have to pay staff. I have to buy stock. I have to sign a lease. I have to get insurance. I have to spend all this money before I make $1. And that's what the AFL has to do here, spend all this money to grow and develop this competition to get it where it needs to be. But I think there's another point to that is that so many people talk about the AFL is a business. No, it's not. It's a not-for-profit. It's yeah. not a business. It doesn't have to behave like a business. It's the people that it's, it should be responsible to are the players and the fans. Its obligation is to provide football for everybody at all the levels. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, if it wants to stick its hand out for a whole lot of government money, it needs to provide a national women's football competition and resource it effectively. Yes. And if it doesn't want to do that, then it can put its hand back in its pocket, as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, I mean, there are so many different facets to this argument that we could go into, but we won't, like, get dredged <laughs> down. To because talk. No, but uh, it's – there's uh, – I think it's – 
as fans, we're frustrated because mm. we just want more. Uh, I'm sure the players just want more. They just want to be playing footy. That's why they put their lives on hold. Yeah. Um, I admire them all for what they do. Absolutely. Honest, honestly, in such awe of what they are able to do. And we've seen a few retirements this season as well that so far have been announced. Courtney Gum and Cecilia McIntosh. Have I missed any others that you're aware of? They're the only two that I'm aware yeah. of. So shout out to those two just before we wrap up because Absolute we haven't stars. mentioned them yet, but they've had such a, a significant impact on this competition in its early years um, that they'll be remembered for a really long time because Absolutely. they're players who this didn't exist for them until they were much older in their life. They came in and they did everything they could to get their bodies right to be able to play at the ages of 36, 37. I think Cecilia McIntosh is almost 40. 39, yeah. The fact that they have been able to dedicate themselves to be able to do that just for two seasons or three seasons, just so they can have that experience, I think is phenomenal. It shouldn't be understated when you look at stats. Oh, they only played eight games. They did this, they did that. Within the circumstances, it's completely irrelevant and their impact on this competition is going to be long felt. So... I just wanted to wrap it up by saying that because I'm going to miss both of them watching them play significantly. Thank you so much for coming and chatting about this in your tired state. I really appreciate it. (laughs) I hope I managed to string some words together (laughs) and not. (laughs) No, this has been a wonderful chat. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for just being involved in Play on Radio during the women's season. Hopefully we can get you on to I See It But I Don't Believe It soon. No worries. Just not about the 2016 grand final because I'll (laughs) I'll cry. But let's definitely chat on there. And otherwise, where can people find you, Kirby, if they want to keep chatting to you about footy? Um, Find me on Twitter. Yep. Most of the time at Kirby, Kirby B is where you can find me. Brilliant. And you write for a few different publications, don't you? Or one publication? I've um, been doing a lot of stuff for The Guardian this year, just about the AFLW. Brilliant. Um, but we'll be taking a bit of a break now. Deserve it break. And maybe some audio projects this year, so <laughs> watch out. But you can go back and read a few of Kirby's wonderful pieces on The Guardian as well. If you look at her Twitter and actually my Twitter, you can find a lot of the links to those pieces. So please do go back and read them. They're fantastic. Thank, Thank you. you again um this has been the massive play on review of the aflw grand final and 2019 season i will be back for the play on preview on friday of aflm round three but otherwise i'll be sobbing over melbourne highlights from the aflw season because i just love them so much and i miss them already (laughs) anyway i'll Stop this now because we're both exhausted. Uh, (laughs) Catch you around.